Hi, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us to grow. While it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people just like you and me who've been through extraordinary times and then found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from them. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment, shame, and possibly guilt, and to being your very best self. And with that, we bring in a lot of really great speakers and people that I love and trust and want you to hear from. And today is one of those. Today, our special guest is Charles Tyson. Charles is a friend of mine from just, I don't know, a couple years. We met through Women's Prosperity Network, and if you've listened to the show a lot, you'll know a lot of my friends and my business associates are from Women's Prosperity Network, and I thank the sisters for that. So, Charles, I want to welcome you. Hello, Yvonne. Hey, Debbie, good morning. Yes, I'm on, and I'm grateful to be here to to uh, do anything that I can to encourage and empower your audience. Well, you're sweet. We are going to have a great conversation today, and I put some bullets on there, and I think people are wanting, going to want to know, you know, how can we keep more of our hard-earned money, especially in today's world where we've all lost a bunch of it? Then let me tell everybody who you are first. Charles is a sought-after speaker, futurist, we'll talk about that, wealth strategist, and a business maverick. Originally from St. Louis, Missouri, Charles has been a South Florida resident since 1970. His business philosophy empowers his clients to, quote-unquote, keep more of what they earn now and in retirement. And to follow that quote from John D. Rockefeller, the path to success is to own nothing and control everything. And Charles has some great strategies for that. He's been a caregiver many times in his life, and he founded a nonprofit organization for cancer patients and for caregivers because of his passion for making a difference. And we're going to talk about that um, at first, Charles, because I think the first time you and I met, it was in a probably, I don't know if it was through WPN, but it was, I think Lauren Cohen might have introduced us. Lauren's my attorney. That, and, uh, that's right. And, and you came to my home. And it's funny because we're going to be talking today about working with people that you know, love, and trust. And sometimes you just have to trust the people that are introducing you to somebody else. But then you have to find out for yourself in person who that person is that they've introduce you to. So you arrived. Can you tell the story about how you arrived at my home and kind of knocked on the door with, with Hubert and what we did? Sure. Uh, yes, Lauren, I met at a media event and very enthusiastic lady, and she just recommended that I reach out to you. And I was flattered, you know, that you would spend time with yourself and Chris and invited me to your home. So that certainly told me that um, 
you had some degree of confidence. You just don't let anybody in your home. And you wanted to, to uh, you know, discuss some financial matters. I brought with you one of the men that is on my team that is 35 years in business and had done some pretty remarkable things, including for my brother. And that's, that's what I do now is I, I empower individuals to get the information that they need in, in a safe zone, and certainly your home is a safe zone. Uh, so hey, Hubert and I came over and had quite a nice discussion at the, the round table there in your dining room. About, well, and it's, uh, it's, of, it's really interesting because, um, I mean, I've been in banking and I've done a lot of financial planning and stuff, but I've also lost a lot of money, and that came with the scam that I was involved in a few years ago. Um, but my husband, uh, he's very careful and very cautious and very traditional in the things he's done in the past and the way that he invests and the way he thinks. So it was interesting getting ready for you guys to come in because I knew you had some some newer ideas um, I had to get Chris ready to understand what you're going to talk about and that meant having all of my documents and all of my investment papers and all that ready um, because it's real important and that's what we're going to talk about today is is trusting the people that you're going to talk to about your finances because many of us grew up I know I did where mom says don't tell people about your money or don't talk about it because it's come, you might right. come across as being braggers. So how do you – well, let's get into um, – first off, we're going to talk about that, but I want to say that you are a husband, father, dad, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, yeah. You were a caregiver for many years, and you, you – that's where I want to start our program with is what have you done? How did you transition from being a very driven businessman to being a full-time caregiver and then the transition out of that? I want you to talk about that a little bit right now if you can. Sure. I, uh, I am actually twice widowed, but when I was 21 years old, I uh, married the, the candy girl. I worked at Publix, you know, and she was 24, <laughs> I was 21, and we're married and life was bliss until six months later we found out that she had a, a terminal illness called Hodgkin's disease. Oh. And uh, seven years later she passed. I was 28. She was 31. And so that was the decade of my 20s as a caregiver. I married her nurse. We raised three children. I have three boys and three grandchildren uh, currently. She was a she did get, get breast cancer, but she beat that. So she was an eight-year breast cancer survivor when in 2005 she developed a throat cancer. And we went to, uh, you know, at that point she had been through traditional therapy, chemo and radiation, and on the, on the breast cancer side, and she wanted an alternative. She wanted integrative medicine. So I could I, to support her and to be her caregiver, I tried to sell my business. Uh, I took three years off from 2005 to 2008 to be the advocate, her patient advocate as well as her caregiver. And as you know, you know, if you go to a medical doctor, to a general practitioner, he's going to send you to any number of specialists, right? I mean, you, you, you can never have a single solution for a medical problem. It just seems that way, right? When you're correct, correct. And, Right, and there's always more than one person you have to see, or at least 
you need a second opinion. So we we um, had three years, and, and she lost that battle in December of 2008. In the meantime, financially, we had made some good decisions, some bad decisions. The economy took a lot of our, our, our retirement money. But I basically started over again, but I was committed to find out what I didn't know about my finances that my professionals that I've been working with hadn't told me because it just seemed, it didn't seem right to me that I would have to drain the tank and let one health issue make me start all over again at that point in my life when I was having so much trauma to start with having lost my wife. And what happened when I transitioned was I thought, you know, in business, every time I found a strategy, I went, I, I went into the financial business and there are so many strategies that I found and when I would find another one, I would want to bring all of those to my clients so they could make a good decision. Whereas most people in the financial industry, they're one or the other. They're the specialist. They're the CPA. They're the enrolled agent. They're the financial planner. They don't often get together in a group and serve the need of the client. And that's why over the last 10 years, I found so many ways to bring solutions to my client rather than just being a producer in one area. I didn't, it was like I was, it meant financial life or death to me. So I had to get the whole picture and get the whole truth so that my client would be able to get the best solution. Well, and it's really interesting. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But going back to um, when you took that time off, you'd obviously prepared in advance some. You had savings, you had income there. Um, but after she passed and you realized that you'd lost a lot and then with the market, how do you mentally get yourself back prepared back to, to start over again? Because that's what's happened to many of the women that I work with is that we've lost a lot of money. And, you know, now we're not feeling financially um, strong enough to make a decision to invest again or to save again. How, what are your tips for, for us moving forward from a, from a devastating, you know, financial disaster? Well, certainly I found that getting information, for, getting, getting a second opinion or a third opinion, you know, more advisors is, the, is better. Uh, but what, we've, what I've done and is provided a safe environment where getting the most information that you can get, not doing something spontaneously to answer your question, and getting advice from more than one person, the challenge still is, is that when you get advice or you seek information, you're usually sitting in, right in front of the person who's going to, sell something to you so you don't you can't go to, like to the internet and find everything you need to make sense of it yourself there's always a person sitting there who's ultimately going to be the person that you're going to do business with so in your mind you might be thinking well that person's just trying to sell me something maybe he has his or her self-interest at heart more than me and you remember we spoke about that as far as uh it i would encourage you to seek out a safe zone where you could get the information so that you felt comfortable and not make a rush decision. And, and that's it. It's, it's not making the rush decision, not jumping after that shiny object, you know, because oh, exactly. we'll, hear, 
we'll hear something like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to invest in that. Oh, that sounds good. Or, or taking um, the opinion of friends or other people that, you know, if, it all comes down to if it sounds too good, then it may be. And that's, you know, very uh, fraud aware, scam aware now. Um, right. Well, see, when, remember when you asked me about Hubert and I come into your home. So there were, there's the, there was law, laws are continually passed in terms of taxes, let's say. And if you look at someone's tax return as a professional, you can tell if they've taken advantage of the laws that were passed. And in some cases they have, and in some cases they haven't. So your people, the average consumer is just not prepared to look up the law and to do all those things. But that's why you don't hurry. That's why you continue to seek information from an objective person so that you can get educated and you can get empowered to make the right decision. But definitely don't be in a hurry. There is time. You can catch up, uh, even though it seems like time is going very, very quickly and you're getting further and further behind. Mentally, it took a long time for me to recover, and it does anyone who's gone through such trauma. Well, I think you've got to sit down and say, what are your goals? Where do you want to be in a, in a year? And I, you and I talked the other day about you never say where you want to be in five years because even though it's going to be here pretty quick, it's sometimes very daunting, and you just want to say, where do I want to be next week? You know. And so how do you start people on just saving for the next month or the next, you know, it's hurricane season now. We've got to prepare for at least two weeks. I'm surprised that so many people that there are so many people out there that don't even have two weeks worth of savings or things prepared. Where? What's the first thing you tell them to to you know start? How do we start? Well, there's I have five steps for that. The first thing is begin with the end in mind, like you said. The second one is to, to take an assessment of where you are. The third one, and this is new, I don't think many of your listeners have heard this before, but it's find out what's missing because we're conditioned to believe certain things and here's the options that I have as far as saving money. Where do I put it? How does that work, right? That's your question. How do we get started? How do we start saving some money? Well, if you can find out what's missing, what other strategies there are that you haven't ever heard of before, uh, number four, you use what you know plus the new stuff you learn. And number five, when you do start saving, and this is the most important thing, anytime you have even the smallest victory, you should celebrate that on that day. You know, really congratulate yourself. So beginning with the end in mind, you have to look at where you want to be in two years or two months or two, whatever that is, and calmly sit and look at, what you can do, no matter how big or small it is, and celebrate the fact that you did that. Build up your own encouragement in yourself. And one of the ways you can do that practically, as we're speaking, you know, a lot of people get excited when they get a tax return, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if I said to you, look, I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to lend you hundred and $150 a month or $200 a month for the next year, and then I want you to give it back to me. A lot of people will, will be excited about money coming back, but you could have had that money all along working for you. You gave it to the IRS. Now they're giving it back to you. So you, if I gave you $200 a month extra 
Debbie, and then 12 months later, you gave me $2,400 back. You were using my money for that entire year, the U.S., you being the government. Well, if I didn't do that, if I didn't overpay on my taxes in the beginning, that money would be sitting in, a, in some type of an account for me. So a little bit of strategy and a tip or two that can put more money in your hands, find you money that you don't know you're losing, give you a different perspective, that results in an increase in cash flow now. Instead of overpaying, you get a little closer and you change your W-9 so that not as much money is taken out because they're just going to give it back to you anyway. And that's, you know, that's a fundamental mind shift because I've been on both sides of that where, um, you know, when, when Lou was alive and he kept saying, we don't want to, we want to minimize our tax bill. We don't want to give the IRS any money, you know, and consequently we, we would do that and then we wouldn't have anything come back. And then we may have to owe the IRS money at that point. And that was psychologically for me, it was like, I don't want to pay them money. Well, after Lou died and I remarried and married CJ, he's the opposite. He likes to get that check coming in. So, you know, when we get a nice refund, that becomes our, you know, savings or we still have kids on the payroll that goes into the kids' account. So part of me likes to have the money coming back and part of me is thinking, well, I could have invested better than the, than the government did. Well, so, look at the – you're right, but look at the time value of money, okay? So here's – Here's something that your listeners, they could research that to their heart's content on YouTube. And what is the time value of money? So if, if you're overpaying by $200 a month because you want a $2,400 return, right? If you got, assuming you got overpaid and you get all that money back. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you like having the money back. But if you take $200 a month and you have any type of an account where you can earn more than 0.1% interest, let's say you could earn 5% interest on the money. You do that 5% interest on that money in that first month because you have the money, not the government, and you take that out and multiply it over 10 years, that's going to be a lot more money in your pocket that you created than what you would have had with the return. But that takes patience. You're right. That takes a, a new mental mind shift. You have to You have to begin with the end in mind, and the most important thing is your mindset, how you look at money in the first place. When people need to know, you know, who to ask the questions to. That's what you and I were talking the other day about. You know, when I ask my questions to a financial guy, I I want to ask in a safe place, and I want to be able to trust what he's telling me. Right? That's right. Okay, so and then, and then you want to get a second and third opinion to see if it if it jives. Exactly, because we if you have to hear it two or three times, it's really important, um, and that's what I like is that you know you didn't come in just one time and say this is it and blah blah blah. I, we basically we took everything you said and we listened, and then we said thank you very much, guys, and out the door you went, and then I might have called you back saying hey, I heard this from somebody else. And then I talked to somebody else about what I'd heard from you guys. So it's, it's asking those questions of multiple people to try to find, to make sure that I understood what you guys were talking about. And that's important when right. we want to make a financial decision is understanding for ourselves, right? Well, there were plenty of times when I second-guessed myself, too, and thought I could have done things different. And sometimes they were beyond my control. Sometimes they weren't. But 
we as human beings, we have a tendency to, to lock into those emotions and we don't give ourselves permission to start asking because you have to start. If you don't start, then you're delaying the process and you have to regain whatever confidence you had so that you can effectively sit with someone and, you know, your antennas are on and you know that, okay, that sounds really good. I'm going to go check another one and another one, but you got to empower yourself and give yourself permission to do that at some point. Well, and a lot of times, you know, if we've lost money, either giving it away or in the market or something, we second, we second guess ourselves and we're not willing to take that chance to try. Um, But that comes from goal setting because I know, you know, when after I lost a lot of money, I was like, so now what do I do? I, I gave away my retirement. I, you know, fortunately didn't lose my house, but I'm like, how do, how do I move forward? And it's very daunting because I, at that point, you know, it's like anybody asked me for money. I was very generous even with friends. And someone told me once that you have to be able to say, I'm not in a position to help you right now because those of us that are caregivers and nurturers love to help. Right? We want to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a recovering caregiver. Actually, I'm a, re- <laughs> I'm a, a care receiver. I'm a care receiver now. You know, I've learned how to help myself. And it, but it took 10 years, literally. It took 10 years. I love that, recovering caregiver. Um, because we're all caregivers, but we have to take care of ourselves first or we can't give. And, and, and. You know, when I, when I talk to women now and they're like, well, I really, I want to give, I want to give. I'm like, yeah, but give yourself first. Pay yourself first. Right? Exactly. I totally agree with that. Okay. So and you, you use the word empower a lot, and we, we just had a discussion about how that word is kind of being overused, but I loved your definition of empower and how you use it. Can you kind of, because you, you, um, you have the, a couple of steps here about you, how you will empower us with the whole truth about things, or you will empower us for access. What does empower mean to you, especially in a financial point of view? Well, thank you for that question, and it's important that, you know, any word that's overused, the question of have you used it once for yourself? Do you feel empowered right this moment, and what is empowered? If you go to Webster, it's, it's being authorized. Someone is authorizing you or giving you position, putting you in a position of authority and control, and certainly you want that for yourself. So if someone can do something to empower you. And what I do financially is I do that by telling you the whole truth. You know, when when we're in court and we're called to testify, you put your hand on the Bible and they say that you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Well, all of us have either been kids or maybe we have kids, but you can kind of tell when somebody's not telling you the whole truth, right? Absolutely. Is, you know, you can so, see it in their in their body language, or, or you know, in, you can feel it. So, right. So what I want to give to your them. audience, yeah, I want I want to give this to your audience. I want you to take this for yourself. Okay. What if I were to tell you that there's something missing? Now, my 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 fiance's family came from Connecticut, and last year, and they were going to go on a cruise, and they were so excited. Two little kids. And they got down to Miami and, 
you know, we sent them off from Fort Lauderdale, and we got a phone call, and it was a daughter. She was crying. She said, Mom, we're, com- we're coming back home. What happened? Well, Jason forgot his passport. Oh, dear. So you can imagine you travel from New York to here to go on this cruise with your family, and the rules are that you can't get in without the passport. But something was missing, the passport. So a lot of us, we have, we have these gaps, and it's the whole truth. There are so many more tools and strategies that are available that you haven't heard yet, and I'd, I'd be glad to have a conversation and give them all to you. I don't, I don't need anything back for it. I want you to know what's missing so that you don't show up for your life and then there's, uh-oh, you know, I forgot this and the rules say I can't move forward in regards to paying less in taxes, in regards to uh, litigation issues. And it's because at some point we get, you know, we take one person's opinion and then I know this has happened to everybody. Five years later, it's like, wow, I wish you find out something. It's like, I wish I would have knew that five years ago. So this is what, to me, empowering someone is, is telling them or asking them, is it possible you could learn something new? I don't care if you went to 10 people. Did they tell you that you can do this to save on your taxes? Did they tell you this? And I've got a whole list of those that I've developed over 10 years of my experience. That most people, when I ask them, they're, they have no idea that they can do that. Well, and the rules have changed too. And in, in you know, like I was talking about, CJ, a lot of the traditionalists, you know, their four hundred one k is this certain product, and that's it. You know, and they don't want to hear about anything that might be new or different, even though new and different could have been on the books for thirty years. It's new and different for them. Exactly. And it might be the right thing for them, and it might not be. That's what I liked when I when we were talking is that as you know, we could bring up objections and concerns and like, maybe this isn't the right thing for us. And maybe it wasn't at that time. But over time, when your circumstances change, if you haven't kept up with what's out there, then you can't take advantage of something that might be better for you. That's what I like about you and your, your empowerment. I love how you call yourself the business empowerment specialist. It's not about the sale. It's about education. Absolutely. So how, how do you do that? For, how do you provide that to people? Well, anybody that wants to go to my uh, to have a conference call with me, it's a free call. I'll answer any of your questions, and I will ask you questions that you maybe should be asking but don't know to ask because you only have so much time and you do as much as you possibly can, but if there's something out there that you could find that you weren't aware of, We'll, we'll discuss that during the call. And I can give away all this information to you. Uh, and ultimately what happens, I, well, what's in it for you, Charles, you know? Ultimately what happens is you're going to need some guidance or more information on that. And then if you want to move forward, then we'll, you know, enter into that type of an agreement. But there should be a safe place that you can go and ask the, like the wizard, you know? I'm not a wizard, but go to the wizard. Go find out what's behind the curtain that I don't know. Well, and if you don't know the answer, I loved how you said, well, I have people that I work with that might have that answer. Let me find out for you. And that's what I mean by over the last 10 years. I was licensed in the insurance industry, but I worked closely with CPAs, with trust attorneys, 
with tax attorneys. All my networking was to find out the best product they had ever found for any client. So I have a whole library of all those, and all those individuals are there if and when someone's ready to take advantage of that after they've prepared themselves, after they've done their homework and they know what they might want, then is the time to go sit down and implement it, but you have to get the information first. I want to ask you a quick question to illustrate the 401k uh, dilemma. And, and let's say you wanted to, you wanted to, and in this context, I, I understand that when someone asks you for money, you, know, you say, no, I got that. So let's say you wanted a loan from me and I gave you a check for $10,000. You ask me for a loan, I give you the money. What are the two questions you're going to ask me? When do you want it paid back and how much do I owe you for having the loan? Right. So I'm going to say, Debbie, I don't need the money for 30 years. I'm in great shape. But I'm not going to tell you what interest rate I'm going to charge you on the money until the 30 years goes by because I don't know, whatever I need at that time in terms of revenue, that's what I'm going to base the interest rate on. So would you take my loan if I could no. pay the interest rate? But see, that's what a 401k is. People will bring a statement and say, look, here's how much money I have in my 401k. But what's missing, what hasn't been discussed is who sets the tax rate when it comes out? And are taxes going to go up, stay the same, or go down? What do you think? Well, they're certainly not going to – they're probably going to go up. They're not going right. to stay the so, same, and they rarely go down. So the biggest threat to you developing financial security in the long run is – and even in the short run – is taxes and litigation. And you don't even know how much money they're going to take out. The, the rate – the highest rate it ever was in our country was not – what it is now. Right now, the highest rate is 40%, but it's been as high as 91% and 77% when John F. Kennedy was president, so relatively recently. So I encourage people to find out where the leaks are, what's missing, where, where the, you can keep more of the money you make as a strategy, and that alone is going to give you more hope because if you knew the rest of your life you weren't going to overpay on taxes, I think that might be encouraging, wouldn't it empowering? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Well, absolutely. And I think a lot of us, too, have just seen recently with the, with the virus and everything happening and the downturn of the market. I mean, I, I, I know we were watching the 401K just plummet um, because it was, it was in the market. I'm thinking, well, we had something else that, wasn't in, that was tied to the market, but it didn't go down. And I'm looking at that going, well, shoot, why didn't I have the rest of it over in something like that? It, but it was because we weren't quite sure. We hadn't seen it, you know. We hadn't seen right. the validity of it. And that's the thing now is now I've seen the benefit of one versus the other. Um, and sometimes you just have to have, have I guess, trust <laughs> that what someone's telling you. Yeah, but, but trust and ver – it's funny you said that because I know she's going to say that word. But trust is great, but trust and verify. Trust and verify. There you go. You've got to trust and verify. Yeah, because all along through my two years of scamming, I thought I trusted the guy, but I didn't verify. And until it was all over with, and then, you know, the verification came from him coming on live, and I'm seeing him, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And then it was too late, right? And, kind and, of like and investing. Talk, right, you may 
have this conversation already with scars uh, where you have another person that helps you make decisions, you know, a safety net, a counselor uh, that, like I say, the second opinion. I mean, I, I actually went against medical advice with one of the doctors during my wife's treatment and it turned out that I was right. They were going to perform a surgery and I proved to them that they didn't need to do it. And so that came from just, no, I'm not, going to move forward until I can verify this. I need another opinion and another opinion. And you have to stand up for yourself. Give yourself permission to start, you know, and, and but, if, but if it's just you, then you might need to find one other person that you can confide in that you know personally and known for years to help you make those decisions. That's so true. I mean, I keep saying we need a buddy. You need a, you need a dating buddy. You need a financial buddy. You need right. someone right. that's a that's objective that, you know, cause we're so driven by emotions many times that we need that second opinion. But sometimes too, you, you, we get so stubborn. It's like, I don't want that second opinion. I want to do it my way. And I told my kids this one time, like I'm the adult here, leave me alone. Well, had to eat those words later on in life. Um, <laughs> but yeah. it's true. Sometimes when someone tells you, no, 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 that's when the two year old in you comes out and says, I want to. You know, and at that point, freedom of choice comes into play where you're free to do it, but we're just advising you, like, if somebody asks you for money, say no. That's the bottom line. But if you insist, consequences are yours. But what I love about what you're doing is that you're giving us information. There's no intended sale. I mean, obviously, guys are in business, but you, I loved what you did for me. You provided a safe place for me just to hear what's out there. And I didn't have to choose to, to take it. I just needed to hear the information. And that's what's so critical about what we all do right now is provide education and make people aware. And also, you know, caution them if it's not a good thing. Um, but just educate and make them aware. So, and, I, and I really am neutral. I don't want to blow my own horn here, but we had this conversation too. I brought with me the professional who could answer all your questions, who'd been doing it for years. I was kind of the promoter in that evening in, the, in your home, right? You're the connector, You're, and I love the that. connector. That you connected me right. with, with someone that could do it. And so if this was an epiphany that I had recently as I was reflecting and putting all these last 10 years, and I and I, and I always do that. It's like I can't go and just tell somebody a tax tip and not show them something else over here that, that an insurance policy can do for them that maybe they don't know. I have to give them all the information. That's just me. I've always been that way. So I put all that together. What if I could give that away and people could call me when they were ready and say, okay, now I've done all this research and you gave me all this value. How do I just give it away? How do I support myself? Well, I gave it away and people came back. They said, okay, now we want to do this. But I reversed the way it was done because I don't have a role where I'm going to say, okay, so here's what I think you should do. I'm not advising you. I'm educating you and giving you power that you want to make your own decisions. And there's no, it's a safe zone. There's no sale taking place in that environment. And the more you give, the more you receive. Right? It comes back to me. 
Right, and and that's where you know you're titled the empowerment specialist. I, I like that because that's what you do. You're empowering us with information, education, and then allowing us to make our own choices. So I can't believe how quickly the time's going. I'm going to actually open up a Q and A session here. So I'm going to put it on Q and A. Hang on. And if anybody has a question for our our guest, the business maverick Charles Tyson, please go ahead and hit star six and we'll bring you into the queue. Because um, you have such valuable information, Charles, and, and it comes down to, you know, we do business with people that we know, and this is in person, know, love and trust. And, and it's tough now in this situation where we've got the virus and people aren't meeting in person. How are you meeting with people so that they see you? You know, because that's part of it. We've got to see somebody. Do you, have a, do you have a webinar or do you have something that's available to folks? Yeah, so if you go to Charles, my first name, and then Wealth and Freedom Empowerment System is, is reduced to just four letters. It's W-F-E-S. So if you go to Charles W, like wealth, F like freedom, E is empower, and S is system, Charles WFES.com, please go there and, and allow me to, to spend an hour with you on a Zoom call or phone, whichever you prefer, and give you this information in a safe zone. It's CharlesWFES.com, and I'll be glad to answer any questions you have and ask you some questions that you may never have heard before and give you some some. Uh, power and authority in your financial life that you didn't know you had available to you. And again, it's, a, it's just a conversation. It's a safe conversation. Um, right. And I've had that, and, and that's really important because I think a lot of us grow up too, especially with our parents, and, and we're in that middle zone now where we're dealing with parents, we're also dealing with children on the other side, um, that they're going to come to us for answers, but they may not want to ask the questions. I found a lot, my parents are 85 and 90, and sometimes they don't want to address what's going on. After last week's phone call with Linda Fostek and you know, the crisis planner, where my mom heard all this really good information about have your documents in order and have all this stuff in, you know, in order, that opened up a discussion between me and them again. You know, because a lot of times people, they don't want to talk about their will. They don't want to talk about their insurance because it means I'm going to die. Well, guess what, everybody? We are going to die. It's just a matter of when. We need to plan for our future financials. We're not going to do it if we don't talk about it, if we don't set up that plan, now, if we don't have the information. And that's what I love about what you do because you give us an opportunity like, to talk. If you're, like me, if you're like me, maybe your parents work for the federal government. So my dad was a federal government employee. He never had to think about his own retirement. My mom, he passed 27 years ago, and my mom is still getting 80% of his income, and she's 93. So they were not in a position to teach us kids about, you know, financial planning because they didn't have to do it for themselves. So it never occurred to them that we weren't in that situation. Right, and people think now that Social Security is going to help them out. Well, I see my parents' Social Security check, and that's not covering the rent. Well, let me, let me throw this one in there. Uh, it's called IRMA. It's the Income uh, Reduction Monthly Account. The, the government actually has it set up where if you make too much money, they're going to tax your Social Security again. Happens you to my it. father. 
how do you charge a 90-year-old income tax? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's so a, the more knowledge you have, the better, right? In a safe environment. That's what we absolutely, want to do. Absolutely. Because then otherwise you're making, you know, you're trying to figure, way out, figure out ways to reduce the income. The same with, with folks with disability, you know, or, and here's the biggie that just came up recently. A friend of mine is a tax attorney in Washington and people that are getting unemployment right now, make sure that, I mean, I know, I know they are taking out taxes, but my stepson were like, make sure you put money away because all that great money you're getting from unemployment, you have to pay tax on that. Hopefully they know that. You know, they, and I saw something yesterday where if, you've got to watch your tax bracket because maybe they're not taking enough tax out and you're still going to get whacked at the end. So, well, it's, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep, right? <laughs> there you go. How much we keep. So, those are the two biggest threats. Irma is I-R-M-A-A, if anybody wants to do any research on that. Uh, the more you make, the more they take. Yeah, Unless and that's you do tough. something about it. Absolutely, and then we need to be able to keep what we make in our bank accounts or in our savings or in our retirement or in somewhere, and that's what I love about you is, you know, you give us opportunities or, or ideas of where else to put it. I mean, going back to the to the uh, 401Ks, you know, we, or the, the Roth, the 401K, I think the 401K is great, but within that 401K, you can self-direct at some point, and that's, what we're learning as we're getting older and over 60. Um, but the difference between a, an IRA, a traditional IRA, and a Roth IRA, people still have a lot yeah. of questions about that. Insurance, you know, the difference between um, a, whole life ter- a whole life policy or term policy. And I mean, I'm, I'm overinsured in term, but it's going to end in 15 years. Um, I plan on living, well, my dad's 90. I, we plan on making it to 100. My term policy is not going to follow me. It's going to end. That was the worst well, day. A, when lot my of people, day. a lot of people don't know that you can convert, convert that policy to a permanent policy, and the money that grows in the permanent policy, if it's set up correctly, will, become, will come out tax-free. Well, then that's so, something to know. You know, that's something to hear and, about. And depending upon which company you get the term policy, I, I wasn't going to get into details, but since you're in details, See, a term policy, there's 800 insurance companies in the United States. There's a few of them that let's say you got a term policy when you were 40 and you wanted to convert it five years later to a permanent policy. You got the best rating, elite rating, the cheapest cost because you were the healthiest person, but then you had a heart attack at 42. Mm-hmm. Well, at 45, when you want to convert the policy, do you think they're going to give you that converted policy at the same rate you got when you were 40 before you had the heart attack? Absolutely not. Absolutely. They will if you have the right company. Really? I, yes. So you buy, So that's a, you have to become strategic in your own mind and give yourself permission to question everything and get the information because if you don't, then – your mother or your brother or your uncle, your neighbor, they're not the ones that are going to suffer. It's going to be you. So you, when you buy the term policy and you're an elite-rated person and it has accelerated benefits that will pay you money if you have a heart attack before you die, you know, then if you have a heart attack before the end of the policy, some of them will pay that policy out accelerated benefits. I have a lot of clients that that happened to. 
And if you don't accept the accelerated benefit, they will convert it at the same rate as when you first got it. So you're not spending extra money. It's a lot of details, but it's like your automobile or anything else. You don't know exactly how it works. You just get in and push the button and you go. Once you make a decision on what car you want. So it's the same way with your finances. You need a safe place to get the information and give yourself permission and time to strategize. Don't make any spontaneous decisions. Well, and that's so true. And it's just, you know, I get so fascinated by this because when Lou died, you know, two months, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but two months prior to him passing, he canceled his life insurance policy. We've been paying on it for 30 years, and he decided he didn't like it because the policy went from $100 a month to $500 a month. So two months after he canceled it, he has a heart attack, and he dies and left me no life insurance. Well, initially, wow. it was like, Sorry well, I was, I was angry at him. Now, it probably saved me giving the scammer 500 more thousand. <laughs> Not that I would have done that. But it was something that I've told people about since then because I'm like, guys, don't make – the rash decision to drop something like that because you never know when your last breath is going to happen and that's one thing i was really angry at lou for doing is you know for dying but for for canceling his life insurance policy and it came i think because when we bought it originally when we were young we did it on the cheap it was good insurance but we didn't have an, an agent or someone that we could talk to and there was no relationship. It was a transaction. And so I've, I've spoken to insurance companies and, you know, their agents and said, you need to develop a relationship with your people because someone could have come to us and said, okay, instead of 500 a month, why don't you just pay 250? We'll lower, lower the premium and lower the payout, but at least you have something. I had nothing. I'm so sorry to hear that. And, and even when you do have it, over 80%. That's, a, that's conservatively speaking. Whenever I sit or talk with anybody and they tell me what they have, I ask them, well, how does that work? And they don't know. They bought it from somebody. They put it in a drawer in the kitchen or somewhere if they can find it. But they can't tell me how it works. They can't tell me the terms of the contract, what's yeah. available to them from the insurance company that would benefit them. And it's, it's an education and empowerment process always. Yeah. Oh, we could we could talk about this for a long time, and it goes back to Linda's last week and having your documents, you know, available, and so you know what you've got. Right. Um, we're gonna bring in. I, I I could talk to you for an hour, and I'm gonna call you up and say, hey, come back to the house because I want you to look at my insurance policies. But I'm going to bring in Dr. Tim McGinnis is online. Tim is the founder of Scars, which is a Society for Citizens Against Relationship Scams, and Tim and I have talked about finances and money and losing it a lot of times. So, Tim, welcome. Are you there? I guess I better take you off mute. I am here. There, Dr. McGinnis. Uh, Tim, you always bring in the great, you know, what's new in the world of of fraud, and I was wondering if if there's something this week that you can tie into what we're talking about with with, uh, Charles. Well, I think that there's several aspects of what you're talking about, Charles, that are particularly relevant, both before a scam begins, during a scam, and after a scam. And one of the things that you're talking about is a psychological predisposition uh, called confirmation bias, which is to say 
one of the reasons why we don't ask more questions or why we don't do more research is because it contradicts our inherent beliefs. So when we believe in something, that confirmation bias helps hold us back, and we all suffer from it to some extent. We believe what we believe in any contradictory information, anything that, that conflicts with that or challenges that um, can impact us quite viscerally. So the result is, is that when a scam begins, that confirmation bias tends to hold you in the scam because you've already made up your mind that that person, that product, that financial instrument that you're buying into is what you want and what you need. And as a result, we don't go and get second opinions because, again, that bias really prevents us from, from doing so because it makes those thought processes quite uncomfortable. Um, people can learn more about confirmational bias on our website, romancescamsnow.com. Another aspect that is interesting from a psychological point of view is something called stranger trust. And we're all actually experiencing this this very minute. When you know someone or know something about someone or even a thing, a product or a service or whatever it happens to be, you have already been through some process of evaluating how trustworthy it is. Whether you completely trust it or partially trust it or know it or don't know it, but when you meet something new, our tendency as humans is to approach it as a blank slate and automatically trust it. This is wired into us from an anthropological point of view. So it's important that when someone is introducing something to us, such as a new person that we just got a, a friend request from or a financial advisor, it's really important to follow a, a fairly simple guideline, which our grandparents used to call sleep on it, <laughs> which is to say, stop, <laughs> don't go forward, think about it, and then come back to it. So never say yes on the first pitch is what I'm saying. Because there's a mm -hmm. thing about our brains, which is in our short-term memories, we're challenged with all of the hormonal warm and fuzzies that we feel when we see a, a new shiny bobble. We want it. We want to get it. But if you literally wait a day or two, the hormonal connection to the decision fades away and you can apply your logic to it much, much more acutely. So no matter what it is, sleep on it and then come back to it and you'll be better able to make a rational logical decision. And then lastly, one thing that, that's really important in this overall context is that I'm one of those people who's been a serial entrepreneur and I have lost fortunes in my life. And last year, courtesy of, of a combination of a, of a two-one kick, um, Business philosophy in China changed, and I lost a fortune. And with COVID, no opportunity to recover it. Now with our adversarial relationship between the U.S. and China, what I've spent years developing goes up in smoke. But I've lost fortunes, but I always keep parallel irons in the fire, always 
you know, I hate to say it because it sounds like a carpetbagger, but um, I keep eight or nine potential deals in the development stages constantly because you never know where you're going. So it's important for everybody to be aware that, you know, here in Florida we live in a hurricane zone. You have to keep a situational awareness constantly. So whatever it is that you're looking at, be aware of the real context that's around you, both in terms of other opportunities, and human beings are actually pretty terrible. We settle easily. When we set up camp in, in one place and the climate changes, we don't want to move. We're almost pre-selected for extinction in that way. And from a local, from a personal and financial point of view, that's what happens to us. Um, we don't anticipate the big changes that are coming. And even when we see them, Again, the confirmational bias kicks in, and we refuse to see them. So you really have to stay situationally aware all the time. Pilots understand this. Soldiers understand this. And people who practice online safety are constantly aware of this. But it doesn't matter what you do. Every context comes with a situation that you must be aware of. So... Those are my thoughts on scams. The biggest answer is simply, you know, as Nancy Reagan said, say no to drugs. Well, our corollary to that is say no to scams. Say no to anything that looks too easy until you think about it. And never give money to people because it's the easy thing to do. As Debbie said, think of yourself first. And in the case of every person that you don't know that comes up to you, you can trust people who never ask you for a thing. But when someone asks you for something, your immediate reaction has to be, well, why are they asking me? Can I really do that? You have to be skeptical. And if people would simply be a little bit skeptical with scammers, they wouldn't lose money. But unfortunately... We go down the rabbit hole, and the further down we go, the more it looks like it's too much trouble to climb back out, so it's easier just to go forward. Debbie, hint, hint, hint. So, <laughs> I'm uh, not disagreeing, Tim. <laughs> yep. So the reality is be situationally aware. Be cautious. Stop. Think. Then go forward. And... Be aware of think, your own think, biases. Think being the operative word there, right? Think. Yeah, think. Keep your yeah. brain about you. But, you know, when you're, when you're flooded with warm and fuzzy hormones because you like something, you're not thinking. You're reacting. Okay. And being able to recognize the difference between thinking and reacting is a survival characteristic. Yeah, well, point. that's true, and I can hear Charles in the background, but I want to get back to it. It's all trust and verify. And it's all about, you know, we do business with people that we know. And when we say we know them, because I could tell you for years that I knew my scammer, but I didn't. You need to know them in person and love them and trust them and, you know, have a, have a financial buddy, have a dating buddy, have someone that's there with you, um, and put yourself around good people. And so that's what I've been doing over the last few years. I mean, I've always had good people, but I'm, I'm searching for people that can give me good 
quality education and information, and then I'm making my choices based on that. So, Charles, I'm going to give you the last word. I want people to be able to, to talk with you. If they want, they can go to the uh, www.charleswfes, that's W as in world and uh, wealth, F as in financial, E as in empowerment, S as in specialist, dot com to get a free empowerment call. And I know you're going to be doing some webinars where they can learn you know, about different things. But thank you so much for being here um, and for talking to people and telling us a little bit about, more about how we can keep our hard-earned money. Um, any any last-minute last thing, Mr. Charles? Well, I can tell you this, and, um, you know, we're on the phone, so you can't see the the uh, the watery eyes and uh, choking up a little bit, but I lost the two most important things in my life, which were my wives, right? And, and, and what I was thinking in terms of starting over, from a guy that had to start over again at 56 with three children, and I, don't, I didn't have three grandchildren at that time, I mean, I knew somewhere, it was my situational awareness, Tim, that, you know, I live in America, the greatest country in the world. I had no fear or hesitation at all to, to do whatever I had to do to give her the best quality of life for the last three years that she was alive. And when all that money was gone, I knew that I would make it, that I would start over and, and that because I live here and because there's good people, uh, Immediately, I started a, a nonprofit, and we had a lot of good years, you know. But the recovery for me personally has taken a little bit longer, but I had the faith that all was not over permanently and that if I just got started and got the right people, that I would recover and be able to build security not only for myself but for my kids and my grandkids. So it's possible. Make the phone call. Allow me to give and help you in a safe zone, answer any questions you have, and like Tim did for me today, tell me things that I hadn't even thought about before uh, so that you can move forward with confidence and empowerment. Perfect. Thank you all. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Thank you, Charles. Uh, thank you for everybody being here. Uh, we'll stay on after we take the recording off. If you have any questions that you didn't want to ask um, earlier, please please be here for that. I want to say this episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. If you or any one of you has known a victim of fraud or scam or you are one yourself, have them please report to anyscam.com or ic3.com. And remember to join our Facebook, my Facebook group, Stand Up and Speak Up, for special information and for replays. It's been a great conversation. Thank you all so much for being here. Remember now that you know how you can keep more of your hard-earned money by trusting and verifying and say no if someone initially asks you for money. So have a great day, everybody, and I will see you and listen to you all next Thursday. Bye now.